scale to seven figures, but without the business taking over your life. Um, so it's much easier to be the CEO of a seven figure business that has this operational machine that's well oiled and working. Um, then welcome to the business ownership podcast brought to you by awareness strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlek, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Bonita. Bonita, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Michelle. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. So this is my first podcast in a very long time. I've taken a bit of a sabbatical. So yes, let's let's make it happen. That's awesome. And thank you very much for waking up at five in the morning, for you, even though you were awake before that, which still cracks me up. That is dedication, if ever there was any, <laughs> especially in my mind. Well, I mean, moving from South Africa, um, which is a third world country, I, I used to work until sometimes 2 a.m. in the mornings, and now we're in Australia, we're just getting settled in an Airbnb. And um, so it just makes sense for me to wake up at 4 a.m. This morning, I had to wake up a little bit earlier. Um, cause I love working with Americans. Like I find them so dynamic and, you know, it's like this American dream. I don't want to work with Australians or South Africans. Like I, I like, I like American people and Canadian people. Um, I just feel like it's a, it's a different type of breed, especially in the online entrepreneurial world. They're going for, for, you know, whatever it is they want. They're dreaming big, taking action. And you'll find in Europe and South Africa and even Australia, People are a lot more cautious um, about business and they move much slower and that just doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. And and you're giving me a great mindset for when we go to Fiji. Uh, it just reminds me, oh yeah, I'll be waking up a little early <laughs> over there than I do when I'm here. That was awesome. So I'm loving your background and tell us a bit about your business and uh, well, tell us your name and who you are and your company name, your business, what you do. Okay, so I'm Bonita and um, my surname is Grobelar, if you're going to pronounce it correctly, but uh, most That's people say Grobelar in, <laughs> yes, in the US. But I own an online business management agency, Scale to Impact. And what I do is I help mid-six-figure entrepreneurs um, by stepping in as a fractional CEO, with a trained team and we just take over the business. We take over the daily management, the operations, we systematize, automate. Um, one of my clients said it so well the other day. She said, it feels like I'm putting on my big girl panties, right? I'm actually running a business now. It's not just like me and myself and I doing whatever I want to do. Um, but I think the most important thing that we do as a business is, um, we drive the business growth, right? So helping businesses scale to seven figures, but without the business taking over your life. Um, so it's much easier to be the CEO of a seven figure business that has this operational machine that's well-oiled and working um, than being um, an employee in your own six figure business, right? <laughs> that's how I love it. Yes, so how did you get into it. being a COO as a thing? 
Yeah, so I'm, you know, at the long story or the short long story, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a bit of a cold, is uh, I've been an entrepreneur forever. So I found myself at 22, very successful, the youngest in my department in this soul-destroying corporate career and being miserably single and making a lot of money for someone else, like hitting my sales targets by June, getting paid all the bonuses. And um, I, I, yeah, I was miserably single at that stage. So I, you know, and it was in, in I think it was in my mid twenties, I started online dating, speed dating. I tried a matchmaker, like all of that. And it was just horrific experiences, especially the matchmaker, she stole my money. So I decided I'm going to fix this. I'm going to clean up this industry. And I started a matchmaking business and I quit my corporate career. My family was like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and I think most entrepreneurs get to that stage, right? Where the family is like, what, what, what do you do? I mean, we know, we know what that's like, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I ran a really successful show. Um, and then we moved, my family moved to Victoria Falls, long story. My husband is a pigeon fancier, so he got a job there. I sold the business and then I started entering the world of coaching and personal development. I worked with single women and I really loved what I did, but I burnt out because I did everything myself. I put my, I wrote my courses. I put it in Kajabi. I figured out the tech. I wrote my copy. I hosted my own summits, I, events, workshops, like everything myself. And obviously with COVID, I took a huge hit financially. And what did, what do I do? What do we do as business owners? We work harder, right? And so I burnt out and um, I took a back step and I thought like, what am I doing? Is this why I got into entrepreneurship? I mean, and I think a lot of business owners do that, right? We we have this entrepreneurial dream of I'm going to be working half days, spending time with my, it doesn't work that way, right? When we're really, really committed to our business, not for everyone. And so I got this amazing business coach. Um, can I mention a name? Susie Carter. Amazing. amazing Susie's amazing. Yes. Yes. And we work together and she's like, well, what do you like doing? And I'm like, I just like getting stuff done. That's what I do. I get stuff. Like, give me something and I'll get it done for you. She says, you're an OBM. <laughs> and uh, it just worked out so beautifully. And then I got certified as an OBM. And because I have the background in my own experience and I did everything myself, it just, it was just such a natural fit. So my business is new relatively. It's nine months but I'm definitely not new to the online world and the whole experience of running a business. Absolutely. And, I want to say and, what it, and for our listeners, mm -hmm. what's an OBM stand for? It's an online business manager. So yeah, it's like a fractional CEO. And I want to oh, say oh. <laughs> that I am now living in alignment with what I do for my clients. I've got an OBM in my business running the business for me and I'm working my seven hours a day, which is huge. For me you know moving from 16 to seven hours so really practicing what i preach putting in the systems in my own business and then helping clients do that so they can get back their lives that's what it's about all right i love it and other people used to want to hire me to do that and i'm like no <laughs> i kill myself and do that um and, and i wish you were around then because it would have gotten but bonia is awesome <laughs> you will love her because you you do you have an amazing ability 
even when you're just talking to people, to be able to help them to start to organize their thoughts, which is super fun to see because I've seen you have conversations with clients before. Um, we, we've had some awesome experiences together. And I think that when when you can bring out your innate skills and bring those to the table, people start to really see why you need somebody that just it's as easy as I love the expression falling out of a tree <laughs> for one person. And you just, you know, that's your thing. And you're just awesomely good at it. Oh, I appreciate that. And I feel an alignment, you know, you know, I, I think after like two years of really struggling in my personal development coaching business, like, you know, I started there, I loved what I was doing and because it became so hard. And I think that's what a lot of people go through is, this dream that you started with, you you start disliking your business because of what it's doing to you, what it's doing to your health, what it's doing to your relationships, like your family relationships. And I want to I want to stop that for other people. Like I don't want. That's why I started this business. I want people to know there's a better way of running a successful business. I love that, and I I think that <laughs> entertaining is it. And this podcast will be on hopefully forever. And one day we'll quit talking about COVID. But I think COVID brought on a whole lot of something, something that um, people that were in business for a long time changed their businesses and pivoted and did things that they wouldn't normally do. Other people that were in an employee position are taking on entrepreneurial positions. And I, I love all of that. And even I found myself as a project manager in my own company, because it just made sense. Okay, you do the tech, I'll be the project manager and I'll communicate this stuff because you need to be in meetings that are technical, you need the time. And I'm like, I would rather kill myself right now than do one more freaking meeting where I have to cross a freaking T and dot an I and tell somebody what to do. It's like, write your own fucking notes. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> my podcast will blip that one out. Um, like, I just, I don't write your own notes for God's sake. Like, that's where I was at because my ability to fall out of a tree is when we're talking about business strategies or we're talking marketing or we're talking like high level conversations. I am so not good at <laughs> the, uh, putting the systems in. It's just not my jam, but every business needs it, like needs it. You can't, you can't grow and scale without it. No. And it's really important what you said about like, um, you know, a lot of people bring the important thing that you said about hiring, um, make your own notes, right? A lot of people think like, I need to bring a VA on board or I need to bring a social media person on board. But what they forget is that the lower level uh, person that you bring in, the more you need to manage them. Like that stood out for me by what you said. Like the more you need to make their notes for them, dot their I's, cross their T's. One of the biggest mistakes that I see business owners making is saving money by bringing low, a lot of low-level people into their team. And that's your biggest pathway to struggling and micromanaging. And that's not what you want to be doing. Absolutely. And I would love to have that one hit because I think also a lot of people will base their business on how much money they have right now, as opposed to what is the strategy for growing this? What, it, why are we bringing on somebody that's, you know, a newbie at this? Because if you have a strategy for that, I'm totally cool with it. We want to bring on newbies because we want them to work with our free and 
you know, entry-level clients and they're going to learn how to, and they're going to get mentored from the other ones. And then we're going to build this team. Okay. That's a, a strategy. <laughs> we used to want to have some of the higher end people that know what they're doing that can take jobs away from you. Um, but I think it's really hard for entrepreneurs. And I know it was hard for me in my other businesses to think, okay, I'm not making the money to pay me right now. How the heck am I going to pay somebody else? But that somebody else, if it's the right person, is bringing the money into the business to be able mm. to pay their own wages. And, and when you start to think of, I think it was Jay Abraham started to wrap my head around this, is whatever you pay somebody, they should be able to at least 2x for the business what they're charging you. And in an ideal world, probably 10x it. Um, and, and I think it's a different kind of mindset that somebody needs to have. What's your kind of take on that? And how do you get somebody to buy into the idea that they need to pay somebody that's good at yes. what they do? I mean, that's so important. It's about getting intentional about your time, because if you bring a high level person in, right, that can take away 20 hours from you a month, right? If you focus those 20 hours on growing your business, generating leads, um, having sales calls, closing deals, then it's a no brainer. Right. But if you're and it is a mindset shift, like I know one of my favorite clients, um, we, we worked with her for three months and all of a sudden she could spend half her she in, in the June, July um, school holidays, which you guys have over there. She's in Canada. She's worked half day for the first time in her life since she's had a business and she spent the afternoons from 12 to 8 with her kids. Right. Um, and that's also important because then you rejuvenate yourself, you get your energy back, you get your passion back for your business. But then when she came back, it's like, okay, I can do that. I can write that copy. I can, you know, I can figure this out. I'm, and so it is a process to break those habits to say, no, that's not what you should be doing with your new free time. You should actually be focusing on relationships joint venture partnerships, strategic relationships and growing your business. And then, so what I do is, and it's, it's, it's very important is because I have OBMs working in the business. I have a certified team. I just meet with the clients at a strategic level and say, right. So what are you doing with your new time at hand? Like, what are you filling it with? And then um, it's always a long story. And so what I do with them is we put dedicated time in their calendar and we block it out in red and we're like, okay, I need to generate new business because otherwise you're not going to be able to continue paying my fee um, because it is a high level investment. It's a retainer fee, you know, it's anything from three and a half to 10,000, but you're not going to Mm -hmm. in, is that at the point of this recording just so you know you cannot hold her to this when you listen to this three to five years from now <laughs> yeah so I mean you need to maximize that investment and if you can generate an extra hundred thousand or a million because you know at the ten thousand fee you've got someone basically full-time in your business um what's it like duplicating yourself I think that's that's important. Like if you could like replicate yourself and you and you get stuff done in your business without you even having to know about it, like this client half the time doesn't know what's happening in her business on the operation side, but she knows it's working. 
it makes the world of difference. And it's a, it's a completely different mindset. Like I find um, people struggle to let go. So yes, it's a process. So let's talk about some of those struggles because I know I did an exercise with a client of mine once upon a time where we went through the uh, revenue generating act, uh, calculator. And it was basically, okay, what are all the tasks that are get done in your business in a day? And you know, if you were to hire those out, how much would it cost? And some of them might be administration in, in Alberta. We had minimum wage is $15 an hour, which still cracks me up because it's ridiculous, but um, might make some sense to somebody. But then there were these certain activities that if she was speaking on stage and if she was selling and if she was getting her closing rate, she could make you know easily 23000 an hour selling from wow. the back of the room, which makes it really easy to justify $15 an hour. <laughs> for somebody else to do the admin task, Definitely. right? So somebody can book her on stage. Somebody can make sure that they've got the arrangements for the car, the airplane, the hotel, the whatevers to get her there. So basically she's going in and hopping in, going to speaking engagement to engagement. And in theory could have like three to five of those in one day in one city and be done for the year and just go, okay, <laughs> I've got my business paid for and it's all good. And if she felt like it, she could do it again six months from now. Like it's a, a completely different way of wrapping people's heads around this, but I get that people don't see what they're seeing. They see the emotional charge of what's going on for them right now. I have a client calling, he's complaining, he wants to talk to me, those kind of things. So what do you find are the biggest struggles that people have in kind of staying where they're at? Um, I would say the biggest, I mean, mindset is huge because you, you, you start out as an entrepreneur having a passion to serve, right? So your business isn't generated or designed to do anything else than serve. And then your business evolves and you need to evolve and, um, you need to, you need to sort of let go of certain tasks and sometimes let go of things that you love doing and become more of a generalist in the business right um being a leader more high level rather than being a specialist and i think what's the hardest part about that is allowing others to become better than you are in a certain area in your business like that's what a successful business is but that's super super hard so sometimes we need to let ego go as well um for the health of our business Absolutely. That ironically, I don't think I ever had an issue with that. Oh, you're better than me at that. Awesome. Here's five clients. Go do that. <laughs> Mine on the other had, hand I was. Had, yep. Go ahead. Yes. I had an incident um, right in the beginning of my business where I brought in an, an extremely exceptional launch manager um, into a seven figure client's business. And the meeting went so well, like I had a one year relationship with them, but then we started doing launches and she, I mean, she specializes in it. The meeting went so well that the client stopped communicating with me and just started communicating with her directly. And I was like, oh, you know, and, and it's my ego, right? And, and I'm a control freak and I love, I love being the hero um, of my business. And yeah, I have this individual that completely outshines me in her area of speciality. And it was an uncomfortable feeling, but 
when I reframe that into, but that's what I want her to do, right? That's what, because then she takes that client and she runs with it and she makes me shine brighter because she's so good at it. Um, it was a shift and it, it, it happened once. And now um, I, I look for now those you have shining contracts stars. in place that make sure that you still get paid on that relationship, regardless of how long it lasts. And <laughs> you know, yes. I think that's the more important part is I don't care if you take it and run with it. Go ahead, but give me my dues. And my dues are either the affiliate fees on it or the commission fees or whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm happy with white labeling your business and, and sending you off. But if I set up that relationship, I want the commissions because odds are I still have commissions that I have to pay on that contract. Right. So um, they find out that this is still going on and the person who referred them to me in the first place doesn't get it. Then I have an issue with that um, solely because it's reputation and and it's business. Yes. Right? Definitely. So um, my structure is a little different. So I bring um, certified online business managers into the business. So and, and we've built a business culture and a vision. And they get training internally because you'll see very often one of our biggest issues is that a client thinks we're a VA and they give us VA roles. So we just had a team meeting today. It's like, how do we step up as a leader in our client's business when they're treating us like a VA? So they receive internal support and strategy support. Like I'm the strategic direction and then I hand over to uh, an OBM. So the relationship is always with scale to impact. And then we have amazing staff inside um, or subcontractors inside that position. But the value is the strategy and the support that they receive and the training that they receive within the business to continually step up as leaders. Because it's so easy to fall into the doing, doing, doing role because our clients are so active and they're visionaries and they've got new ideas every single day, right? Absolutely. And I do think it's hard for people to understand the the skill set of knowing what has to be done versus the skill set of doing the thing <laughs> right so knowing that you need a va is one thing and and what they're going to do versus hiring somebody and getting them to do that thing so do you also hire the vas for them or what is that actually let's back up the bus what is the process of working with you look like when you go into a company what happens Yes, yeah, so we do a complete business audit, a strategic business audit. Um, super important to get to know the business. And based on that, we put together a six-month project to clean up the business, set up the systems, the operations. It's quite in-depth. And then there's just a monthly retainer. And it's whatever the business needs. Um, we're not too prescriptive. Like I have a podcasting client. She does podcast management and hosting. And so she needed a podcasting VA that helps with transcripts. So I hired that for her and put that person in the business under her umbrella. But when it comes to launch management, um, setting up systems and automations, like let's say this client uses HoneyBook, I get a HoneyBook expert on board as a subcontractor and they're working within our umbrella. Um, that's not someone the client needs all the time. So it's whatever works best for the client. But we do everything um, from hiring, um, automations. I mean, the the hardest part of, of our job probably is getting in there and making sure the right people are seated in the right positions and doing the right things. I find that's the biggest issue. 
What, what, and I see that as kind of funny because I can't imagine for the life of me somebody putting a salesperson into an admin role and somebody putting an admin person into a customer service and, you know, and, and it just keeps going on and on. But how do people get into the wrong seat on the bus for starters? And um, kind of, is there anything they can do to correct that? Right. So firstly, I think it's about not not being clear on what it is that you need done in the business. Um, I, I got off a, a, a strategy call with someone and hopefully we're going to meet um, for the two hour audit. I need a marketing director. I need a salesperson. I need a strategist, marketing, salesperson, director. I'm like, what you need is a clear strategy. Right. You know, <laughs> so it's like it sounds like you have a lead gen problem and we need to fix that before we get high level people onto your into your business. So that's one of the things is probably being in it. I always describe it as like when you're in a bad relationship, you can't see it unless you put it down on paper. You put down the positives and the negatives. So you need to write down what it is that you need. The other big problem is that we're visionaries, we're people oriented. So I get into a client's business and she's employed her brother, her sister-in-law, her neighbor, people that go to school with her kids. Like, And so one of my agreements with her is I'll take you on as a client, but you're not doing any more hiring for this company. <laughs> she's probably like, done. <laughs> So, and then sometimes we need to clean up the role. We need to say, well, what are your outcomes? And then we need to let go of people. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to do when you start running a profitable business is getting rid of people that aren't fulfilling the purpose that they're there to fulfill. And so we help manage and track that. Everything is about outcomes, outcomes. It's a numbers game. Everything is measured, right? And um, that's just the way a seven-figure business is run. Well, absolutely. And I think too, that a lot of people will hire people early on when they're in that startup phase, when they're throwing spaghetti against the wall, seeing what works. And it's like, Hey, we need somebody doing this. But once you get into that growth phase, it's like, uh, we're not focused on that anymore. This we're going this way. So all of that is redundant and <laughs> doesn't work anymore. And so it does become emotional a lot of times for people when they don't understand that actually letting them go or repositioning them is the best thing you could ever do. Like they'll go on Definitely. and find the thing that they love. Yes. And I think what's what's more important is like hiring for culture more than CV. Like even if you did, if even if you do have a, a an incorrect hire, how are they prepared to grow? Um, and what are they prepared to do? Because I, I definitely believe, like I sound very cutthroat, like you need to let go of people that aren't working. But I also do believe in allowing people to grow into positions if they're capable and they're wanting to and they're willing to. Because those are the best type of employees when they've bought into your mission and vision um, that are loyal. Um well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word loyal because if you want loyalty by a dog, right? But people that buy into your vision and want to support you and want to grow with you, that for me is the best type of um, staff member to have. Nice. I love it. So give us an example of one of your clients, uh, Cinderella story. Well, I mean, I told you about the clients that um, took um, half a day off. Um, 
that completely grew her business. And so a couple of the things that we've done for her is we've um, created a client care role. So she was the one dealing with clients. So we've written an SOP for her. We've um, put together a job description. We've hired the correct person. And we've put that person in there. And all queries in the business, because she's um, she has a lot of clients, um, it's a retainer business, go straight to this role. And this person has been trained. And we've written SOP. So if this person ever leaves, they can just get that SOP and, and, and be done with it. We've automated client onboarding. So contracts being sent, everything's been done. So she's not doing that anymore. We've hired on a sales team. We've trained them. We've put together processes. So everything from sales to onboarding to client care, we've just completely removed um, from, from her plate, um, which then leaves... Um, leaves more growth-oriented tasks for her to do. I love that. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now and they're thinking, oh, Benita, I need you so badly? Um, probably doing it all themselves um, and, and being stuck in the weeds of the business, putting out fires, <laughs> daily management, micromanagement of team, and that's what we also love doing is bringing a leader because an OBM steps in as the buffer between the business owner and the rest of the business. So we also believe in um, in building a team and 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 helping the, the team to start making their own decisions, which means that sometimes they're going to start making mistakes. Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing is that people are overwhelmed. They haven't had a holiday in ages. They're the bottleneck in their business. Like if they're not making the decision or giving the go ahead, it's not happening. They're micromanaging the team. They don't have systems in place. They're repeating themselves all the time. Um, and they've fallen out of love with their business. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, we hate it when that happens. I was going to say, up until that point, I think you described every entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and if you've especially got to the point where you don't like your business, then you absolutely have to connect with Benita. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to put, I'm going to give you the link to a, a PDF document that I've created. That's like um, 69 things an OBM can do for you in your business. Um, but yeah, if, if people want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Bonita Grobelar, G-R-O-B-B-E-L-A-A-R. Um, or just <laughs> links will be in the chat <laughs> yeah or just send me an email I'd love to meet with you and get to know your business and see um, what it is you do and who you do it for I love it so you, you gave us a little bit of an indicator but I'd love to know at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur when when you're sick and tired of making money for everyone else. And that was the biggest thing for me is I was, I was generating millions and millions um, for people. Um, and I could, I knew I could do it for myself as well. Absolutely. So, and, and you are <laughs> so, now you're doing it again. You just get to do it as an entrepreneur 
and they still get to make millions and so do you which is way more fun exactly well nice. not millions yet but that's that's my goal for next no, year right having... come on <laughs> yes <laughs> but that's definitely my goal i've identified um, my next coach um and I, I so believe in coaches supporting you and helping you see what you what you can't see so i'm 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 ready to make 2023 a rock and roll here definitely I love it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Yes, I would just say, don't forget why you stepped into entrepreneurship. Don't forget what's important, like I did. Um, relationships matter. Family matters, right? Um, the quality of your life matters. Um, your health. Don't let your business cost you all the things that money can't buy. That's important. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Benita. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you, Michelle. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. We love growing with you. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.